Hello and welcome to the first episode of the More Than the Headlines podcast. I just want to welcome and thank every single person listening to this right now. Uh, this podcast is uh, it's been in the works for a long time, and I'm I'm extremely okay. I'm extremely excited uh, to, for you know for episode one, right, the debut episode. So I just wanted to thank and welcome every single person listening. It truly, truly does mean the world. And the basic goal, okay, the basic goal of this podcast is to really touch on all 32 teams in the National Football League. There's nothing I love more than taking a, you know, taking a hard look at these at these franchises, these football programs, and taking a deep dive, looking at situations, looking at different scenarios moving forward, whether you're a great team, whether you're a middle-of-the-road team, whether you're a bad team, I love doing it. There's nothing I love more than taking a look at a team and trying to formulate my opinions, formulate ideas, formulate uh, different strategies that that specific franchise can can utilize moving forward for them to get better as an NFL team, as an NFL franchise. So that's the goal of this podcast to to take scenarios from all 32 teams. Right? I don't want to leave any team out. Yes, I am a Jets fan here, but we're going to be taking a fair, unbiased look at all 32 teams in the league, picking out different scenarios each episode, and just talking about them, right? Talking about different uh, different just scenarios. And, and you know, it, maybe it's not going to be the, the, the Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots every episode. That's, you know, the point of the, the I mean, the title of the, uh, of the podcast is more than the headlines, okay? We're not just going to be talking about the average run-of-the-mill storylines that you see on national sports radio, on national sports media outlets, you know, on the TV shows and whatnot. We're going to be taking a deeper dive than most. And the first topic that I want to, you know, that I want to talk about on this debut podcast is the Oakland Raiders. Okay, the Oakland Raiders. This is a team right now that is a complete I mean, they're in a complete drama hurricane. You have so much going on with this team. You know, you have the coaching question marks. You have, you know, Derek Carr kind of regressing. You know, you're, you're trading away all these good players. You're moving cities. There's so much turmoil right now. What is going on? You're acquiring all these draft picks. You're, they're not winning games. They're, they're constantly losing games. What is going on with the Oakland Raiders? But I wanted to start the podcast off by talking about the Oakland Raiders and talking about if I was an Oakland Raider fan, why... I would be optimistic. Yeah, I, I mean, I know it sounds crazy because the Raiders have not won games. You're trading away great players. But here's the, a few of the main reasons why I'd be optimistic being an Oakland Raider fan. Okay. I want to start off by saying that I'm a big John Gruden supporter. I love John Gruden. There's no harder worker in the National Football League than John. Okay. Then Coach Gruden. There's there's no other coach that outworks John Gruden. You can make the argument that there's no other player that outworks John Gruden. Okay, this guy is an effortless worker. He stays up into the late, late hours of the night trying to figure out what is going on, trying to gain more knowledge about the game of football. He loves the game. He loves the sport. He loves being the Oakland Raider head coach. I think that in itself, is uh, it's a luxury. Okay, I, I really do believe in John Gruden. I believe that he will get this thing figured out. Not everybody is Jim Harbaugh where he can step into a program, step into a franchise and just turn it around at the snap of a finger in one season. Not everybody's like that. Okay. Especially a team like the Oakland Raiders who have a little bit of cap issues who are on the older end. Actually, you know, they're not even on the older end. They're the oldest team in the National Football League. So that does not help. Okay. So the main points that I want to touch on with the Oakland Raiders and why I, I, would be optimistic is number one starting off with the draft i'm not going to sugarcoat it at all yes it does suck saying goodbye to 
good players. Look at Khalil Mack. He's dominating. It sucks from a Raiders standpoint. I get it. I understand it. Um, Saying goodbye to a guy like Khalil Mack. He's dominating right now for the Chicago Bears. I think he had two sacks yesterday against the, uh, the massive win against Detroit. He's doing his thing out there. Probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. It sucks saying goodbye to him. But on the bright side, he didn't want to play for the Oakland Raiders. He, You are saving a ton of money by getting rid of Khalil Mack. And in the process, you receive two first-round draft picks. That is at, that is huge. That is great compensation. Next, you know, you look at a guy like Amari Cooper, wide receiver. Uh, he, you, you, you flip him to the Dallas Cowboys, and then you, you get another first-round pick. That is crazy value. That is insane. Look at a guy like Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry, you can make the argument, is a better wide receiver than Amari Cooper. And, you know, he he was only obtained for a third-round draft pick. Look at Golden Tate, a guy who was traded a few days later. Guys like uh, Demarius Thomas. You got mid-round picks for those guys. But you were able to get a first-round pick for Amari Cooper? Nothing against Amari Cooper. No disrespect. He's He's a decent NFL wide receiver, but he is not... I repeat, he is not worth a first-round pick. So the Oakland Raiders right now have acquired three draft picks moving forward in the next two seasons. So as a whole, not only do they have their three picks that they've acquired from the Chicago Bears and the Dallas Cowboys, but they also have their two first-round picks. Okay, so looking at taking a step back, look at the big picture. If you're the Oakland Raiders right now, you're moving franchises, you're getting, or you're moving cities, excuse me, you're getting a brand new stadium in Las Vegas, and you're, sh- and you're heading out to Vegas with five first round picks. I cannot stress h- how important that is, how much of a luxury that is to have five first round draft picks. You are now setting yourself up, you are setting the future up for, for years to come. And I, I get it. The Oakland Raiders right now, as of today, they're an easy target. Everybody likes to to hop on the Raider bandwagon, or or the uh, I, I guess I should say the hop on the Oakland Raider hater bandwagon because everybody takes a shot at them when they can. Whether you're a national sports media TV show host, whether you're a radio host, everybody's taking shots at the Raiders, and I get it. They're an easy target. Okay, they're an easy target, and I understand it because, like I said before, they're losing games, they're trading away good players. It's like, what are you doing? And then I actually saw a tweet the other day or now about like a week ago that um you know it's by a pretty well respected individual and he and he the tweet basically said that yeah you know you do have those five first round picks in the next two seasons that's all well and good but John Gruden picking them that that's a big question mark how can you trust John Gruden picking them that's not the point the point is is that they've got five first round draft picks you know they have five opportunities to get five stars of the of the National Football League moving forward. Okay, the stars of tomorrow. You have five chances at that. You have five cracks at getting at, at getting superstars here. Okay, and given the Oakland Raiders current record this season, I you know, you're you're looking at the Oakland Raiders record this season, they're going to finish probably with a top 5 draft pick or even a top 3 draft pick. You know, which which is even more beneficial. Okay, so you have three first-round picks this upcoming season. Then you have two first-round picks in 2020. You have opportunities for great players here. I'm looking at the Oakland Raiders' schedule currently. Right now, they're sitting at 1-8. and eight. Okay, 1-8 and eight is not good. They're If the season were, season were to end today, they would finish with the first overall pick in the NFL draft. That is huge moving forward. I get it. Nobody wants to lose games. Everybody hates losing. I get it. Fans, players, coaches, they all hate losing. But right now, you're sitting at 1-8. and eight. I, Looking at the future or looking at the remaining teams on the schedule, I see the Oakland Raiders at best, 
at best finishing three and 13, three and 13 is good enough or, you know, I guess in this case, bad enough for the first overall pick. Luckily for the Oakland Raiders, this draft, this upcoming NCAA draft is filled with players that the Oakland Raiders could use. They have interior defensive linemen help or or, or players like Ed Oliver. He would be a great fit for the Oakland Raiders team. They have edge rushers. I mean, the edge rushers in this draft are insane. You have guys like Josh Allen. You have Brian Burns. You have Nick Bosa. You have so many good edge rushers coming out of this class. Luckily for the Oakland Raiders... They need help in both of those areas. They got to get younger on defense. You got to get more explosive on defense. You got to get players in the building that have pride, that want to be an Oakland Raider. And I believe, okay, I believe, like I said before, I believe in John Gruden. And I think if Gruden gets young players to buy into what he's selling, I think this Raiders team will be a force to be reckoned with. As crazy as that might sound, because they're, like I said, they're in the dumps right now. Everybody's kicking them when they're down. But I want to be in the trenches with John Gruden. I want Gruden in my foxhole. I know there's no other person in the National Football League that will outwork him, that nobody else wants it more than John. Than Coach John. Okay, nobody else wants it more. And I just believe. I believe in this Raiders team with the five first round picks moving forward. You can do some damage. You can do you have five opportunities to get NFL superstars. Doesn't matter the position. The point is is they have five cracks at it. And that's, I mean, look at look at teams moving forward. I mean, the New York Jets, for example, they're a team that, I mean, like every other pretty much NFL team, they have five first round picks in the f- next five seasons. So looking at it like that, the Oakland Raiders have a great opportunity to capitalize on the draft equity that they have. Um, and like I said before, I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it. Saying goodbye to Cooper, saying goodbye to Khalil Mack, uh, seeing Derek Carr regress a little bit and seeing the Jack Del Rio era in Oakland kind of uh, come to come to shambles a little bit. It sucks. It absolutely sucks. But the point is, is that the future is bright. You have you, you just got to get young players to buy into John Gruden. I believe with his with his draft picks, with these five first round picks, that he will get players that want to be Oakland Raiders, players that are hard nosed, tough, hard workers. You got to get guys in the building. And currently, the Raiders, especially on the defense side of the football, because that's where I feel like they need the most help. I thought Paul Gunther, the defensive coordinator, was a great hire, but as of right now, the Oakland Raiders they're too old on defense. They're too old. They're too slow. They're too. They're. I don't want to say they're unathletic because you know. The, at the end of the day, we we are talking about the National Football League here. But they just look like they're in slow motion compared to every other offense. Why? Because they're old. You got to get young players in the building. They have a few guys I really really like. Guys like Mo Hurst. You know, Mo Hurst. What came out of Michigan, a, def, a defensive tackle out of Michigan. He had a great Michigan career, but he fell in the draft. He was expected to go in the first or second round. He fell all the way to the fifth round, and the Oakland Raiders snagged him round five. Talk about value. That's a great That's a great draft pick right there. And he fell in the draft because he had a heart condition at the combine. So for the Oakland Raiders to snag Mo Hurst, great pickup, great pickup. He's a nice young player to build around who can be an NFL starter in this league. Next, you have Arden Key, a pass rusher who, like Mo Hurst, was expected to go round one, early round two, but he fell and he was a mid-round draft pick. He was a pass rusher at LSU, very productive at LSU, extremely athletic, really long. Uh, He's just a guy that you want on your team, but he had some locker room or some off-the-field issues. So, like Mo Hurst, he fell in the draft. The Oakland Raiders said, screw it, we're taking him anyway because he has a high ceiling. His potential is through the roof. 
I believe in Arden Key. So that's kind of the mindset moving forward of Oakland. You can tell that they that they need that they want young players with high motors that want to be Oakland Raiders. Maybe got you know kind of I mean look at Al Davis. You know one of Al Davis's uh, you know one of his mos was taking players from other teams that you know they might not work out with other teams but he'd give them a second chance to be an Oakland Raider and then all of a sudden they would blossom into a great player you know I I feel as though John Gruden kind of has that old school mentality similar to Al Davis and he wants to give players a second chance he knows if a player messes up at the combine in the offseason what have you that their NFL career is not completely shot. Okay, he took a chance on Martavis Bryant. I believe in Martavis Bryant. I, w- I would keep him around if I'm Oakland. I'm locking him up to a to a multi year deal. He hasn't produced really this season, but he's a guy I'd keep. He has the size. He has the speed. He has the hands. He has the route running abilities to be a dominant wide receiver in this league. You know, he's one of those rare guys where he could take the top off a of defense, but also can give you that p- possession type of wide wide receiving uh, threat. So I'm keeping Martavis Bryant. The point is, is that the Oakland Raiders have some nice pieces to build around. They're not just some dumpster fire of an organization. They're moving. They're going to get a new stadium, which is exciting. You have five first-round picks. John Gruden has the leash. Okay, he has the 10-year leash to turn this thing around. The Oakland Raiders, I believe, will be a force to be reckoned with if they nail these draft picks. The point is... Like I said, the Raiders, they're they're down in the dumps right now. They're an easy target. Everybody's kicking them when they're down. Like, you know, you see throughout life, you know, it's it's, it's easy to pick on the little guy. I get it. But, but you know, keep on doing it. And the Oakland Raiders, John Gruden, they're going to outwork you. They're going to get their, they're going to get young talent in the building. And I mean, who knows? The trade fest might not be over. They could flip Derek Carr. They could trade a guy like Garyon Conley. They could trade a Carl Joseph. Who knows? You know, former first round picks and those guys that haven't really lived up to their potential. They don't really fit the John Gruden system uh, either. Maybe Conley does a little bit, but I don't really know about Joseph. I, I, you know, I actually read a story that Derwin James actually wanted to, uh, John Gruden wanted to draft uh, Derwin James, the safety out of Florida State. But ownership, the GM, they said no because we need uh, offensive line help and we already have two, uh, you know, we, we already have two safeties in Reggie Nelson and, and Carl Joseph. We can't. Just pick another first-round safety after I, talking about McKenzie, just took Carl Joseph. It would just be a bad look. It wouldn't make any sense. But in hindsight, they should have took Derwin James because this guy's having a phenomenal season. He's flying around the field. He's making big hits. He's the anchor of that Chargers D as a rookie. Okay, so John Gruden, he's a smart guy. He's not an idiot. He got a 10-year contract for a reason. He won a Super Bowl for a reason. He's been successful with the Oakland Raiders. He's been successful with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everybody's calling him an idiot, saying, oh, he's past his prime. He's some old dude that has no idea. He's the old guy, you know, that says, you know, get off my lawn to the kids. And he just, he's not some hermit. He loves the game. He's going to outwork you. I believe in John Gruden. I believe in the Oakland Raiders. It won't happen overnight. It won't happen overnight, but in the span of three, four seasons, this Oakland Raiders team will be a force. I truly believe that. So I want to segue to this. I want to segue to the Tennessee Titans. Okay, the Tennessee Titans right now are such an interesting team. Coming off a huge win against the New England Patriots. They just came off a huge win. Beating the Patriots by a wide margin. They didn't squeak by. It wasn't a fluke victory. They dominated them. The offensive game plan, the defensive game plan going into that game was incredible by head coach Mike Vrabel, offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur, defensive coordinator Dean Pease. Okay, this Tennessee Titans team right now is probably one of my favorite teams to watch in the National Football League. 
They have so many strong units of the team. The linebacking core is great. The front seven. The defensive line, the offensive line is such a treat to watch. Marcus Mariota, I think, is a gem. I, I, I really, I, I'm, I'm always intrigued by Marcus Mariota. He doesn't have the best throwing mechanics. I feel as though, you know, he's only throwing at about 80%, 85% of what he's capable of throwing. You know, talking about velocity on the football, throw power. Because his mechanics are, I don't want to say they're shot, but they're just very limited on, on where he can put the football, on how much speed, how much power. Um, he can put on the football, but he's such an intriguing guy because he could process so quickly. He does give you that mobility. He does give you that dual threat uh, aspect that defensive coordinators have to be prepared for. Okay, and when you pair that up with a solid running game in Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, this Tennessee Titans team, they're only really missing a few pieces. You know, you got to get some more wide receiving depth. That'll come with time. But all in all, this Tennessee Titans team is on fire. They're coming off two huge victories. Uh, you know, one in Dallas Monday night, primetime football. The whole world's watching against, you know, the, the, the beloved Dallas Cowboys. Everybody loves the Cowboys. You know, fans, media, everybody loves to cover the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, Jerry Jones. You know, it's a big party over there. Tennessee went in as the underdog. And whooped Dallas. Then they followed up on a short week and go back home to Nashville and spank the New England Patriots. They mollywopped them. This Tennessee Titans team is for real. They were my NF or my AFC South. Uh, per, uh, that was my my winner. My prediction. Going into the season, I thought that the Titans would win this division. I wasn't completely sold on Houston. I thought Jacksonville would take a step back. Uh, that is somewhat of an understatement so far. And I thought the Colts were just a few years away. Uh, I did not actually see this offensive line playing this good, so credit the Colts. But I thought this Titans team, uh, and they were in a little bit of a flux early on in the season. You know, the offense couldn't get rolling. Sometimes the defense had a, you know, it, it would have a tough go, tough game here and there. And then they'd have just absolute disasters of a game. You know, look at the Miami Dolphin game with the hurricane and Mariota getting hurt. and They can't stop Miami and they're on the road. And then, you know, you have another game in the... Uh, you know, when the Titans played the Ravens, that was just an absolute train wreck of a game. They couldn't put up any points on Baltimore. They beat them down by over 20 points. So a lot of people hopped off the Titans bandwagon. Um, you know, the going going across the pond to London and losing to the LA Chargers, that, that was a tough pill to swallow. Going for it on two and not getting it two times, two times. They had their chance to tie it up, but they didn't do it. So you have some frustrating losses from the Tennessee Titans. But here's some here's the good news. They're five and four. They're two and zero in their division with the Indianapolis Colts coming up next week. Now they're going to be away, right? They're going to be playing in Indianapolis, so this is a huge game. This could be the game of the week. And I know not a lot of people are saying that because the Titans don't have that many fans, and you know they're not the Patriots, they're not the Chiefs, they're not the Rams, they're not the big sexy team, and the Titans aren't the team that's going to throw for four hundred yards and put up fifty a game like the Rams, like the Chiefs, like the Steelers. They're not going to do that, like the Vikings. They're not going to do it. They're going to ground. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play that grounded pound defense, or the the ground the grounded plan have that philosophy. They're going to play tough defense. They're going to try to hold you. They're they're not a bend but don't break defense. They try to play great defense all the time. They're they're fantastic in wrapping up in open in open field. Their linebackers do an incredible job. Um, it's just such a treat to watch. And and you know I might be a little bit of an old soul in in regards to uh watching the game of football and and liking. The game of football. I like hard-nosed defenses. I don't like to see a lot of points. I love the West Coast offense. You know, I don't like to see the spread out screens every fifth play. It's a bubble screen. I don't like to see it. You know, so the Tennessee Titans right now, 
they're five and four. They're not, you know, they're not world beaters. But what I'm saying is this: Can the Tennessee Titans make a playoff push? They have a pretty easy schedule from here on out. They just beat New England. Okay, so I'm gonna rattle off the rattle off the rest of the schedule. They're away at the Colts. That's a that's a winnable game. That's a winnable game. Next up, they're away against Houston. That game is somewhat of a question mark because Houston has turned it around. Granted, the Tennessee Titans has shown they've shown in the past. This year, I believe week two, they beat the Houston Texans at home. You know, yes, they squeaked by. I believe the final score is twenty to twenty to nineteen, but they still beat the Texans. Okay, so they they've shown that they can beat Houston. I still don't want to mark it as an automatic win. It's going to be a tough fight. Houston has, uh, like I said before. Deshaun Watson, Bill O'Brien, they're playing right. They're electric on offense. Deshaun uh, or uh, uh, you know DeAndre Hopkins has been dominating. Okay, so it's a little bit of a toss-up. Can they win? Yes. Can they lose? Of course. So let's move on. Next up, they got a two-game homestand. Number one against the Jets. That's a win. That's a. I've trust me. I'm a Jets fan. That's going to be a win in Nashville. The Jets can't play on the road. The team's quit on Todd Bowles. The offense is inept. It's a win. Then they got another game at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars are a complete wreck. They're a complete dumpster fire right now. You know, you had Jalen Ramsey tweet the other day, uh, or, or actually today, two hours ago, that he, he was basically tweeting like, oh, you're going to miss me when I'm gone to Jacksonville. That is just, that, that's just a, that's just not something to, to say, especially to put on Twitter. You know, you had AJ Boye rule himself out. They're not winning games. They, they're they're going to go down with, the, they're going to sink the ship with Blake Bortles at the helm. They're, they're afraid to make the quarterback move. Sam Bradford's on the market. They're not doing anything. I don't know why they're so hell-bent on Blake Bortles, but the point is, is that they're going to be at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who they've owned in the past. The Tennessee Titans have the Jaguars number. They've already beat them this season. I view that as a win. So right now we're sitting at two automatic wins against the Jets and the Jaguars. That puts the Tennessee Titans win total at seven and four. You also, you know, the Texans, you could win that game. I'm gonna right now, for for the sake of this argument, I'm gonna I'm gonna mark it as a loss. Okay. So seven and six, or seven and five, excuse me. Then the Colts, that's a toss-up. I see the, the Titans winning this game on the road. Um so right now, you're looking at uh eight and five. That is awesome. That is awesome heading into the last three weeks of the season. So moving on. After the Jacksonville Jaguar game, they go to MetLife Stadium and face the New York football Giants. That's a win. The New York Giants right now, Pat Shermer is just a zombie on the sidelines. He has no emotion at all. You can't get Odell Beckham, a top five wide receiver, the football at all. You can't get your number two overall draft pick, Saquon Barkley, the ball. He's a top six running back in the league. You have two of the best. Hear me out. You have two of the best offensive play call, offensive players in the National Football League, and you cannot. Your offense is is, I mean, it looks like uh, an elementary school offense. What is the problem? Everybody says it's the offensive line. Some people say it's Eli Manning. Can't turn the foot, you know, always turn the football over. But the point is, is you have a dynamic wide receiver. You have a dynamic running back, very talented, young, explosive players that want to win football games, and you cannot even get them the football. The New York Giants are a mess. They traded away Damon, Damon Snacks Harrison. They traded away Eli Apple. The, Landon Collins, the only player I think they should keep. They're like talking about like getting rid of him, you know, in the offseason. They don't know what to do. They, they're, they're kind of blinded by Eli Manning point is is that the Tennessee Titans this is a win for the Titans this is a win it's a win 
So moving on, they got another NFC East uh, opponent in the Washington Redskins. They're going to be at home in this game. The Washington Redskins right now are one of my favorite teams in the league to watch. You, you got Alex Smith completing a lot of passes, putting the ball in play, picking up first downs with his with his legs. Him and Jay Gruden, they're they're doing their thing. I you know I, it was actually one of my predictions heading into the season that the Washington Redskins would be a great team. And I, I predicted that the Redskins would make the playoffs, and they're having a tremendous, tremendous season. But when you look at it, they're 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 having some offensive line injuries. They're starting to get banged up. Sheriff's out for the year. Paul Richardson, wide receiver, their their only deep threat on the on the on the uh, on the team is out for the season as well. So you're looking at this Washington Redskins team. They're at home. You know the it, the game is going to be played in Nashville. I like that. I like that a lot from a Titans standpoint. This game, it could go either way. I think the Tennessee Titans are a little bit more talented. I like it that they're going to be at home. I'm going to go, even though it could go either way, I could see this. I could see the Titans pulling, out, squeaking out a victory here. I can really see that. I can really see that. So the last game of the season, Week 17 against the Indianapolis Colts at home. So the another game that's going to be played in Nashville. Okay, so looking at it, you're finishing the season off with two home games. That's going to be really beneficial subconsciously for the players, for the coaching staff. They're going to be comfortable at home. You're going to have your home crowd behind you. One of one of those games is going to be against uh, a banked up Washington Redskins team. The other game is going to be a, against a division rival in the in, in the Indianapolis Colts. So you're ending the season off on an pretty much an automatic win against the Giants, a toss up, but they're banged up team against the Washington Redskins. It could go either way. I, I don't want to rule out Washington. And then you have a, a division rival game at home week 17, finishing this finishing the season off with two home win, uh two home games. Very 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 workable. If you're a Tennessee Titans fan, I'm extremely excited for how this season's going to play out. You have a great offensive coordinator in Matt LaFleur. I love him. I want him to be the New York Jets head coach next season. I'm sorry Titans fans, but I want him. I think he's leaving. I want him. I think he's a beast. Next up, defensive coordinator Dean Pease. They got him out of retirement. This defense is playing like their hair. This defense is dynamite. The Tennessee T Titans defense is great. They have, you know, they're, they're struggling a little bit on the back end, you know, with the uh, with the cornerbacks. Malcolm Butler, eh, he's having a little bit of a suspect season. I think he'll turn it around. I, I still do believe in Butler. You got guys like Bayard, I, I, Dory Jackson, first-round pick. The Tennessee Titans defense is dynamite. It's dynamite. When you mix that with the great offensive game plans going in, the creative play calling, the gadget, the gadgetry that is Matt LaFleur's offense, the play action game, I think this season is 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 going to wrap up very nicely for the Tennessee Titans. I do believe that the, that they will win this division. I believe that they will beat the Houston Texans. They will beat the Indianapolis Colts. They will win the AFC South and Mike Vrabel in his first season as Tennessee as the Tennessee Titans head coach will take this team to the playoffs. I love this the, the the direction that the Titans are going in. They have two great coordinators. They have a players head coach in Mike Vrabel. They have a quarterback that doesn't turn the football over, who's mobile. He is smart. He wants to win football games. I love it. I love it. You have the defense. You're, it's not a bend but don't break situation. They're playing tough, hard-nosed defense every single down. They don't want to give up a down. They don't want to give up a yard. They don't want to give up first downs. They play tough. They want to hold their opponents to zero points every game. 
Not like a team like the New England Patriots where it's, okay, you know, giving up first downs is fine up until the red zone. Now we have to tighten up. It's it's not that situation. They are hard-nosed. It reminds me a lot of the Baltimore Ravens. They don't want to give up a yard. And they play pissed off. They play violent. They play aggressive. They play for each other. They play for the logo on their helmet. They play for the last name on the back of their jersey. I love this Tennessee Titans team. I love it. I love it. And the way this season is wrapping up, I mean, this is like pure ecstasy if you're a Titans fan. You have automatic wins against the Jets and the Jags and the Giants. That's three three extra wins. So at least you're going to be 8-8 eight and eight if you drop you know a few division games. And 8-8 eight and eight in the AFC, that's doable to get a wild card. That's doable for a wild card spot. So there's a very there's a very good chance you could lose against the Colts, you could lose against the Texans, you could lose against the the Colts again in week 17 and still make a wild card spot. Okay, so the Tennessee Titans right now are are sitting sitting pretty. They're sitting pretty right now. Matt LaFleur, Vrabel, Pease, Mariota, love it. I love it and especially with Jacksonville's downfall with the Colts not being as talented as you, with Houston being a little suspect, they're, they're starting to pick it up right now. It's becoming a two. I mean, really, in reality, the Colts are picking it up too. They're they're being they're they're able to put put points up on the board. Andrew Luck Andrew Luck is coming back, having a phenomenal season, coming off the huge injury. He needs to win Comeback Player of the Year. But the point is, is that the Tennessee Titans right now they're the most talented team in the division. They're the most well coached team in the division. They can get to the playoffs. I like the direction that the Tennessee Titans are going in. And I'm going to leave it there for now. So the last team, the last subject I want to touch on is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A team in the in the NFC South right now that is so much is, is somewhat you know similar to the Oakland Raiders. You have a lot going on with that team. You have a lot of noise. You know, you, you see it all the times. Teams that have a lot of noise don't typically have a lot of success. They don't typically have a lot of success, okay? And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a lot going on. They have a lot going on surrounding the quarterback position, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzmagic, whatever you want to call him. What is going on with the with the head coach, Dirk Cutter? Is he going to be there? Is he going to stay? What What is happening? Are they going to fire him at the end of the season? Nobody knows. You know, I know their offensive coordinator, he's getting a lot of looks right now to, to possibly be possibly be a head coach for another team you know because his play calling skills are outstanding but as of right now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they haven't won that many games even though they have good players their number one overall pick Jameis Winston has not produced he's not even the starting quarterback right now being benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick okay I take a second to to think back to think about this tennis this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team they have some crazy wins Okay, they have two notable wins, the Philadelphia Eagles, the New Orleans Saints, two great football teams, two playoff football teams. Okay, so the Buccaneers, what that tells me is this, that the Buccaneers have talent. They have guys in the building that can play the game of football at a very high level. You you look at guys like Mike Williams or Mike Evans, excuse me. On the outside, he's a tremendous wide receiver, six foot five. The guy's a beast. Okay, and one another area where I think this Buccaneers team can, I guess, a bright spot. You know, but I, I guess it could be the optimist in me saying this is that they know exactly where they need help. You got to get a little bit better. You know, you got to get a little bit more out of your offensive line. You got to get and establish a run game. Jaquez Rogers is not getting the job done. 
Ronald Jones Jr. has been a disappointment out of USC. You got to establish a run game if you're the Buccaneers. I, I I like the play calls. I like the 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 the, con, the passing concepts, the passing game of the Buccaneers. What they bring to the table each and every week, because Ryan Fitzpatrick throws a ton of yards for a ton of yards. Granted, he does throw for a lot of turnovers, but that's just what you're getting in Ryan Fitzpatrick. But all in all, how bad is this Buccaneers team? How bad are they? They won three games. They're three and six right now in the season. They're fourth in the NFC South, but they have three one possession losses. They have three one-possession losses against very good teams. The Atlanta Falcons, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cincinnati Bengals, they all lost. All three of those games came under one score. Okay, so this Buccaneers team, they have three wins. They have three losses that are one, that are one possession. So how bad, how far away is this, is this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team in reality? I could see this Buccaneers team making a few tweaks here and there in the offseason, maybe getting a new head coach. Obviously, you're going to get a new, you know, a first round pick in the building, probably a top 10 pick in the building. If they could hit on that pick, all of a sudden, I could see this Buccaneers team turning the turning the ship around very quickly. Now, the question comes up, what what is going to happen? You know, what's going to happen with Fitzmagic? What's going to happen with Jameis Winston? Who's going to be the quarterback? Are they going to get a, you know, are they going to get a veteran quarterback? Are they going to get a rookie? Are they going to run Winston out there? I don't really think he can at this point because, you know, he's been somewhat of a turnover machine. He's had the off the field problems. You've already benched him. I don't see how the Buccaneers can move forward with Winston, how they could sell that to the team and to the fans. I, you know, and don't get me wrong, I like Winston. You know, he's a mobile guy. It's not really so much of a dual threat, but he can extend plays with his feet. He has a strong arm. He understands the game of football. He knows where to go with the football. It's just a matter of of, of him being able to read a defense. Can he pre-snap know what to do? And that's where I feel like he is in a little bit of a um in a little bit of a rut. So looking at this, looking at this Buccaneers team, you have some questions. What how are you gonna get better at running the ball? What are you going to do at quarterback? What are you going to do at head coach? How are you going to get this defense to play better? Because this defense has not been good. They have not been good. They fired Mike Smith, the defensive coordinator, earlier on in the season. You got to get the defense turned around. You have to. Okay, a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of those questions will be answered next April when we figure out what they're going to do uh, in the draft. Because if they have a top three, top five draft pick. And like maybe say a Nick Bosa falls to them, that would be huge because then you could put, uh, pair them up next to. Um, Pierre Paul, last year's first round pick, Vita Vea, uh, and then of course Gerald McCoy, who's a stud. You're you're looking at that Buccaneers defensive line, and then you know have Vinnie Curry come in on 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 third down situations. That's a that's a defensive line that could get after uh, that could get after opposing quarterbacks, and you need to do that. Look at your division: Drew Brees, MVP; Cam Newton, MVP; Matt Ryan, MVP. You got to get after quarterbacks. All three of those teams like to throw the football. All three of those teams have fantastic quarterback play. How do you do that? How do you neutralize that? How do you have a chance at football games? You have to get after opposing quarterbacks. You have to. So if they can land a guy like Nick Bosa, like a Brian Burns out of Florida State, like a Josh Allen potentially, even though I don't really think he's that much of a system fit. He's more of a 3-4 stand-up outside outside backer. You know, more of a Leo position. He's more of a stand-up guy. Okay, he's more of a stand-up guy than, say, a Nick Bosa. But you know who knows? Maybe they won't be running the four-three system next year. Maybe they'll be they'll transition to a three-four and need a guy like Josh Allen coming off the edge. So the so the Buccaneers are in a really weird spot. 
okay, they're in a really weird spot. I could see them only having five, six wins to end the season off, but I could also see them taking a huge step in the offseason by fixing one or two things. If they could acquire a Derek Carr and get a new head coach in the building, Getting der- uh, get getting rid of Dirk Cutter. I know there's some Bucks fans out there that like Cutter a lot. They think he he could be the guy, and he's really getting an unfair uh, he's getting unfair treatment right now because the Bucks don't have a lot of talent on defense, and you know the defense can't stop anybody. and And he's f- he was kind of forced into the head coaching role, um, you know, because he was the interim head coach after after uh, you know they made the decision, so they they promoted him to interim head coach, and now you know he's kind of forced to be the head coach, and a lot of people. They're pumping the brakes on Cutter, and they want to sit there and say that this guy, he's hes good enough to be a head coach. You just have to give him time. You don't want to bail on him too quick, and then he'll go to another team and have you know that success. You want to have some stability as a franchise. You want to have Dirk Cutter in the building. So I could see this Buccaneers team keeping him for sure, but I think a change has to be made at the quarterback position. I would look heavy. I would look hard at Derek Carr from the Oakland Raiders. He's a guy who I think will bring leadership. He will bring stability. He will bring smarts to the table. Those are all three categories that I feel like the Bucks lack. Yes, Jameis Winston is a good leader, but I think his, you know, some somewhat similar to Harbaugh in San Francisco, I think his his word is just becoming a little dry. Okay. You saw that in Harbaugh with Harbaugh. He's a great leader. He's a great rallier of men. He knows how to he knows how to, you know, uh, get a lot of guys ra- uh, riled up and and to buy in. He's very good at doing that. Same with Jameis Winston. The only thing is that you know when you when you're saying the same thing when, when but when you're losing games, sometimes the words just don't mean as much. They don't weigh as much as they once did. Okay, so this I I, I do envision the Buccaneers moving on from Winston and Ryan Fitzmagic next season. Uh, I, I don't really see see them trading up in the draft or anything like that. I don't think they're in, in any position to. But I would look hard. I would look heavy at Derek Carr from Oakland. He's a guy. If you offer a second-round pick to Oakland, if you offer a mate, possibly a first-round pick to Oakland for Carr in the offseason, I think Oakland Raiders, they, they, would, they would do that. John Gruden, we talked about it earlier. He wants his picks. He wants his guys. The guys on this Raiders team, they're not his guys. Khalil Mack, sorry, see ya. Amari Cooper, didn't draft ya, goodbye. Gruden wants his guys. He, he's said in the past he likes Derek Carr, he likes his work ethic, he likes his arm strength. He's a smart quarterback coming out of a spread system at Fresno State. But the point is, is that he's 1-8 with Derek Carr. And granted, it's his first year in the West Coast system. And John Gruden demands excellence from his quarterbacks. He puts a lot on his quarterback's plate. And Derek Carr, so far throughout the season, has had a hard time handling that. Um, you know, they're not a Super Bowl team. They're, they don't have the, the talent of a Super Bowl team or a playoff team, especially after the trades. Uh, but John Gruden is a guy. This Oakland Raiders team, they're a franchise right now where I feel like if you offer up a high pick, especially if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where the pick is probably going to be in the in the top 15, the Raiders will pounce. The Bucks leave you know, they, they'll leave the trade with a franchise quarterback. You know, granted, he comes with a pretty hefty price tag, but they're going to leave with a franchise quarterback or what they would hope to be is the franchise quarterback. And the Raiders walk away with another draft pick, another first or possibly second round draft pick. So I, I, I see it working out for both teams because there's been rumors in Oakland 
There's been rumors in Oakland that they want to move forward. They want to, you know, not everybody in the organization is sold on Derek Carr. Some of the players are kind of iffy on him. John Gruden, obviously they haven't won games. Eh, it's just a weird scenario, okay? Really weird scenario right now. And um, yeah, if the Bucks want to make that move, I, I, I view Carr as, as being available. I really do. So then, I mean, I, I don't want to keep going on and on about the quarterback position here, but... What would happen with Jameis Winston? Maybe maybe Winston would go to the New York Giants. Maybe he would go to the Giants. I mean, it, they're they're kind of um they're they kind of already have enough drama with Beckham and Saquon and Shermer and Eli and you know all these different all these different things. Landon Collins, Eli Apple, uh Janoris Jenkins, you have so much drama going on in New York. What would happen with uh you know if they brought Jameis Winston in? I, I do think he's an upgrade over Manning. I do think he's an upgrade over Lauletta, but at the end of the day. Uh, he does come with baggage, but you know he's not signed to a big deal, anything crazy like that. So it could be a uh, nice little, um, nice little game of uh, musical chairs, you know, or musical quarterbacks in this situation. Carr goes to Tampa, Winston goes to the New York Giants, and then the Oakland Raiders are sitting pretty with four possibly first-round picks uh, in this upcoming draft. So if they want to go get a guy like Justin Herbert, if they want to go get a Drew Locke, a Clayton Thorson, or possibly just draft. Um, you know, blue chip defensive players this this year help out on the offensive line. Maybe get a running back, something like that. Maybe a wide receiver. They can do that and have the luxury of next season, 2020. So not next season, but the, you know, the following season after that, 2020, they could go out and they could get um, you know, a, a quarterback like Tua Tagovailoa, like Jacob Eason, maybe a Shea Patterson, maybe a, a Hunter Johnson. Okay, so there the 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 options for the Oakland Raiders, the options for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the options for the New York Giants. There's a lot of them out there. Okay, they're they're not down to one guy, and everybody's racing to get one guy. It's not like that at all. There are options. There are some rookies in the in 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 this upcoming draft. I'm not sold on a lot of them. You know, to be quite frank with you guys, I think Herbert would probably if Herbert was coming out last year, he'd be the fifth ranked quarterback above Lamar Jackson. So. You know, I had a higher grade on Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. I, I I view all four of those guys better than everybody in this class. Drew Locke, Thorson, like I said, um, you know, possibly Daniel Jones. He's a guy who who could wind up with the New York Giants. But the point is, is that there are options for all three franchises that need a quarterback: the Buccaneers, the Oakland Raiders, possibly, and then of course the New York Giants if they want to move on from uh, Eli Manning. So. That's it for episode one of the More Than the Headlines podcast. If you stuck around this far, I I appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best. Um, want to thank you once again, and just uh, you know, I hope to see you guys uh, in this journey. You know, in, in this journey, I this is something that, like I said before, it's been in the works for a long time. I, I've always wanted to do a, uh, a, 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 a an, an NFL football podcast right where i where i touch on a whole bunch of different teams where i look at every team from an unbiased lens and give you guys my honest thoughts and my opinions and give you guys some uh, ideas moving forward uh that you know that i feel like could be very beneficial for those franchises so uh thank you guys for tuning in um you know if you like it check you know uh stay tuned for episode two and um and uh yeah stay tuned so uh thanks so much and um that's it take it easy guys thank you